0: You're listening to the Bill Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Midco SN is proud to bring you the region's best coverage of University of North Dakota athletics, including the return of UND football signing day special that's coming up Wednesday, December the 18th at 10 a.m. A chance to check in on all the newest recruits who will sign their name on the dotted line to join the Fighting Hawks football program that's coming up in December, all here on Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shapes Podcast, episode 17 of the new year. The first episode in December, Bill. Welcome to a new month. New month. Uh, some white stuff on the ground.
1: Cold driving in this morning. We were in single digits uh, when I was in the car. So uh, winter is upon us, Alex. Winter yeah, th- is upon us.
0: It's amazing just the transition even from last week to this week. And how it really does feel like? Yep, Christmas is coming. December is here. The change in season is official now. The any remnants of fall <laughs> have been long <laughs> left behind us now. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It is definitely December. Yes, that is a fact. Yeah. So, which means, which means, fall sports are are, are pretty much done now. It's it's amazing how we've gotten to that point and. Um, unfortunately the football team couldn't keep that that fall sports momentum going for at least another week uh, we'll talk at length about that of course we're going to re- break down what's going on on the hardwood as well winter sports of course picking up into full steam uh, and recap what well, was a pretty memorable thanksgiving weekend for the Mensaki hockey program uh, i do want to ask bill how was your thanksgiving by the way good good couple days with the family
1: it was great um and and hopefully you had the same but uh yeah always a great time of year for sure how about yourself
0: it was good. Yeah, we had um, a couple of sick kids. Unfortunately, we had to power through. But uh, other than that, uh, it was it just it's just so good to be around family. Just a special time of year to to give thanks and to enjoy a good meal and enjoy a company of, of people that you love. So no no complaints and some pretty good sports to be able to take in.
1: Yeah, it was a uh, kind of exciting for. Uh uh, been a long time since uh, there was a hockey game on Thanksgiving. Uh, I think Brad Schlossman had that. He does such a great job kind of researching the historical aspects of, uh, of all things college hockey and, uh, and all things UND. But, uh, yeah, so that was kind of an interesting one. And the way it turned out, I thought it was good because with game day coming to uh, uh, Minneapolis, I thought that it probably made sense that both those games were done, over with, and cleared out.
0: Yeah, I agree, and uh, you know, talking of course about the UND hockey series against Minnesota that that started on Thanksgiving and wrapped up on Black Friday. Uh, not a bad weekend for Brad Berry and the guys. Uh, let, let's start there. How about nine three on Thanksgiving night? A plethora. The boys stuffing the back of the net with all sorts of goals. Eight different goal scores eight of those were even strength too i just an impressive performance that tied for the most ever goals you and these ever scored against minnesota uh, and they complete the sweep on friday with with a different sort of a game obviously a tight three two win but another one that they thoroughly deserved i just this team just keeps rolling bill
1: yeah they uh you know did a great job on thursday night just one of those games where uh just on fire offensively and found the back of the net nine times. And, uh, you knew you you were going to have a different game the following night. Um, there's no doubt that, that, uh, uh, the gophers were to come back out and uh, and 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 play it probably tighter to the vest and uh, you know we found a way this team is uh playing very very well right now and uh, obviously only lost to the year to number one mankato who had a pretty good weekend themselves in Duluth and so uh, you know I, I it, the team keeps rolling and uh, we've got you know, two huge games now in Kalamazoo coming up. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just, uh, uh, you know, as we're heading towards the break, uh, you know, find a way to to, to continue the momentum. Boy, that, that gives you just a, a great opportunity heading into the break and, into after the new year.
0: Now, UND certainly does have a lot of momentum on their side. A nation's best 11-game unbeaten streak right now. By the way, the, the sweep of the Gophers, just the third sweep, of Minnesota in Minneapolis since the 1979-80 season. Everything seems to be clicking for this team. And you mentioned, Brad, Schloss had a great article this past week uh, just talking to the guys about how, you know, for some of the... Like, why is this team playing so well? And Colton Pullman just summarized it basically by saying we we just really enjoy playing with each other and we're having so much fun right now. What can you say, I, I guess... There's a lot to be said for for liking your teammates. and winning, obviously is fun. and so the more you win, the more fun you have. it kind of makes sense. It's sort of a a, a positive cycle that you and these in right now. But just the fact that they really do have these tight bonds and that they're growing that makes a huge I think that's an underrated thing sometimes, that locker room culture that just seems to be just perfectly balanced this season for Bradbury and Company
1: yeah, it seems that way. And you know what? You just never know, Alex, really. I, I, you know it's it's a year by year proposition, and uh, you know it takes you know I, I had some sort of consultant come in at one point in time and uh, talking about an administrative team, and I'll kind of get back to, I guess the locker room. But anytime you change one person, you have a new team. Mm-hmm. so so the, the team we had last year and the team we'll have next year, will be two different teams and uh, um, and in the dynamic you just never know on a year-to-year basis and it seems like obviously when you have success it seems like you know, that's an obvious point where uh, teams may get along. But just because you have success doesn't mean all the uh, all the, you know, necessarily all uh, the locker room gets uh, along, you know, uh, you know, all hunky dory based on uh, just success alone. So, uh, yeah, they seem to be scrapping for each other and they're a, uh, I don't know, they're a fun group, resilient, uh, you know, all four lines clicking at this point, deep D. And uh, obviously, Adam shield has been really, really good this year.
0: It all adds up to a pretty impressive first half of the season. And that you alluded to it a moment ago. Can they finish it strong now at Western, which is a a tough place to play? Lawson Arena has been, you know, a a place that not many teams have had success over the years. UND split there last year. Uh, Those games, just as a reminder, this Friday, Saturday at six o'clock Central Time, because that's Eastern time zone. So just a little bit earlier as you set your. uh, calendar accordingly but uh big big games against a ranked western team that is kind of getting healthy has a lot of talent a lot of people think they're one of the better teams in the country when they're at full strength so a good a good test for UND to close out the first half of the season certainly this weekend
1: yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, we'll be challenged. They'll be up for it, and uh, you know, uh, it just uh, anytime you kind of go into that arena, you know, the venue's going to be hopping. So uh, our guys will they'll 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 be dialed in. I know they're excited about the the opportunity for sure. And we've obviously played pretty well recently on the road. So uh, so exciting weekend for sure ahead.
0: Yeah, well, best of luck again. I'll be making that trip with the guys. Look, my first time in Kalamazoo, so looking forward to expe- experiencing everything that <laughs> Western Michigan has to offer. I'm sure it's going to be beautiful. Sun- 60 and sunny there, I'm sure, right Phil?
1: Yeah, you're uh I you know, it's funny <laughs> between myself and Eric Martinson, who's kind of my secondary with hockey. We've kind of split some of the trips up based on other sport uh, you know, other sports and, uh, and, and their schedules. And so, uh, so Marty's going to be heading to Kalamazoo. So you, I, I was in Kalamazoo last year. And so you'll be there this year with Marty and then I've got Miami of Ohio. So, uh, so I will be uh that that's, that's the one I will, I will take. So we were going to split those two trips.
0: You're a winner. You're a winner. Every time they Oxford over KZU never been there. And that's a really fun college town. That's I've made that trip a couple of times now and the town's a little bit out of the way it's it's not exactly near anything, but you take a little bus from Cincinnati or Dayton or wherever you're coming from. It's this lovely little brick village, you know, with lots of neat little shops on high street. That's a good spot. So, and I've heard good things about Kalamazoo too. Not to, I don't want to disparage. I liked Kalamazoo.
1: I, I did. I, I was, um, pleasantly, I don't know what I was expecting, but I, <laughs> I, uh, I liked it. So, you know, I, I, I tend to try to figure out what the what the upside is at every place you go. So, uh, you go. Um, so I, I, I enjoyed it. Now, I have no idea what the weather is going to be, but it is what it is. You're, you're not going to control that as far as I can tell.
0: <laughs> not, uh, no, unfortunately. Uh, there are certain sports where climate outside doesn't really matter. Men's and women's basketball being amongst them. Uh, the women's hoops team, don't look now, Bill, 7-2 and two for Travis Brewster and company. Uh, they lost at home against Illinois State last week, but then they followed up with three wins, um, including a couple on the road in South Carolina. Just a strong start to the season that, that continues right now.
1: Yeah, I thought the Illinois State game... Uh, you know they're a pretty good team, and I thought we scrapped pretty well against them, down seventeen, and had the ball uh, with a chance to take the lead, and we just didn't find a way. And then had a non-D1 on that Tuesday, and then went to South Carolina and took care of business against South Carolina State and played Charleston Southern, which is Travis's uh, alma mater. So uh, that was mm-hmm. kind of neat for him to go back uh, to where he played ball himself. So uh, that was exciting, and uh, and 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 got it. Done on Saturday, so uh, yeah, I I think the team's playing really really good. They they're 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 young, no doubt about it. Um, and uh, you know, just having some some early success and that that makes a big difference. And so, uh, um, you know, got a week off here pretty much. They can get themselves back into school as we're heading toward finals. And uh, but have one trip left a week from uh, week from today, as we record this on Monday the second. We play on the ninth at SMU.
0: It's amazing to think they only have four games left before Summit League play. I know, <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. It is December, I suppose, but it's amazing how quick it's gone.
1: Once they start, it just they just you know kind of one after another, and some some weekends, you know, you're you're either in a tournament or even times you're playing three games in three days or three games in four days, and so those non-conference they, uh, games they can come kind of quick, and then all of a sudden they're gone.
0: Um, One quick individual shout out on the women's side, Jacqueline Jarnett was named the Summit League Women's Player of the Week last week, um, had a couple of really impressive performances. She's a sophomore kid that has really come on this year. Her older sister is the starting point guard, Elena Jarnett. It's been fun to see, again, the new faces step up, and we've talked about this on the pod before, but need to see Jacqueline get recognized for her efforts early on in her second season uh, wearing UND Kelly Green.
1: Yeah, she's really uh, taken to, uh, or she, I should say she's grown into, I think, the role of uh, uh, scorer, and, uh, you know, it's been a nice job on the boards as well, and kind of a long, you know, lefty, and it's just, uh, she's just done a nice job, and she's been kind of a go-to for us on the on the perimeter, and then and a sneaky and crafty inside, and so she's uh, kind of that inside-outside dual threat
0: yeah averaging 11 and 7 through non-conference play, Jacqueline pretty impressive stuff. So one of a couple players in double figures over the course of the season so far for the women. On the men's side, kind of a similar story this past week a lot of games in a short period of time uh they take care of business last tuesday against north central then go on the road and pick up wins against florida gulf coast and georgia southern and then lose a heartbreaker to campbell just the other day but uh, the team's four and five now you can see paul Sayers' team starting to pick up a little bit of traction as this non-conference season has moved along
1: yeah it wasn't able to uh pick up the feed as i was in louisiana with the football team but uh but certainly uh you know talk to Paul and 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 certainly uh, uh, have you know, gotten some accounts of how we played. And I thought going down there, you know, always difficult in a, in a, well, three games in three days is, is, is difficult, especially the way it was spread out. Alex, it wasn't like you were playing seven o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night, seven o'clock at night. It just kept getting, it kept getting shorter actually. And so you kind <laughs> you played and then all of a sudden you had less than 24 hours and then less than 24 hours again. And so, uh, and, and that's not an excuse by any stretch because Campbell actually played the game after. After us on Saturday so but you know all that to be said played a pretty good game against them and they're they're a traditionally pretty good team in the Big South and so uh, um, to lose by two kind of uh, down the end of uh, down the end of the game uh, was, was a tough one, but I think there's a lot of positives we're going to take away from this weekend as we're heading towards a kind of a big sky road trip, if you will, kind of a Montana, Eastern Washington, even though that's not necessarily the teams you play on that stretch, but actually it's probably a little bit easier, to, quite frankly, to go to Missoula, to uh, to, to Cheney.
0: Moscow, Bozeman, Missoula, Cheney, wh- whatever. E- either way, <laughs> it's it's a little old school. Montana coming up on the 6th, Eastern Washington coming up on the 8th. Uh, we always say that but anytime you know this is the big sky summit league challenge anytime you're playing these sorts of teams where there's a little bit of familiarity and you sort of know the the caliber of opponent it is a good litmus test to see where you are with again just a month before the summit league season gets started
1: well two things by playing these two uh and again uh, recalling eastern uh woulda shoulda coulda been in grand forks yeah. but because of our scheduling i i would say Um, where, where scheduling was when we kind of picked it up after coach Jones departed, it just made more sense to, 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 to push Eastern, uh, to a future date at home in Grand Forks. And so we'll, we'll kind of do that, that. Sort of double uh, that double dip of games uh, with one day in between. Now these two teams uh, have been at the top of the barrel in the, in the Big Sky the last two years. They've played in the Big Sky Conference Championships where Montana's won both of those, and so and then Eastern was uh, picked uh, to to win the Big Sky this year, and they just came off a big win at home against Belmont. So uh, so it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a challenge, no question about it. But I think this. This Florida, this Florida trip will help this team tremendously. And, uh, you know, they'll get back and uh, and unfortunately have to get right back on the road. But then after that, they'll have some time in Grand Forks before then really kind of maybe a last final couple of games against uh, Nebraska and Oregon State before we head into Summit League play.
0: Yeah, it's a good stretch. This will be a really testing month, uh, but a good month of December, certainly to have a good balance of top caliber opposition, some road trips in there, but then also some time just to practice and and be at home and have that one home game against Northland sandwiched in between uh, this big sky road trip and then taking on a couple of power five schools. And then, yeah, before you know it, January the 2nd at Denver, Summit League play gets started. So uh, here we go.
1: <laughs> and then that'll be just, uh, you know, uh, obviously two, two and a half months of just some fun ball and uh, all leading up to Sioux Falls, which again, last year was the first time I was able to to go to the Summit League tournament. And uh, I guess my first, uh, I guess, shout out to the Summit League and, and what they've done and accomplished in Sioux Falls as far as the tournament is concerned. Uh, you know, if you're thinking about going, I think it's, it's a basketball, almost paradise down there in, in a sense, uh, between both genders playing uh, you know if you're thinking about going i would highly encourage it
0: it is a lot of fun yeah that's that's a special tournament so again that's still a ways away of course we're four months away from that but tickets I, tickets i believe are already on sale so don't don't feel shy about reaching out there and getting that process started could make a nice stocking stuffer bill a little yeah. Tournament ticket
1: yeah i mean i, I it, <laughs> it could i it, i like how you're thinking
0: <laughs> it's never too early 20 three shopping days left just just saying before Christmas Oof. uh let's talk football really quick now University of North Dakota of course making the FCS playoffs for the second time in program history got paired up with Nichols States uh, on the road had to go down to the bayou and, and take on Nichols in Thibodeau Louisiana and this was one of those games that you know w- was was close and there were moments there where it looked like North Dakota was going to either you know pull within three or pull within four or, or make this you know a one score football game and it really was a one score game for the majority of this and they just couldn't seem to find that that play to get them that much closer and in the end uh Nichols gets a late in- insurance touchdown and end up pulling out the victory 24 to 6 uh you were down there in louisiana bill just kind of talk me through what you saw and what the you know what what the game was like from your perspective
1: I think, you know, you, you probably uh, hit it. Um, you know, we, we needed to make it, or, or better better yet, maybe string a few plays together. And for whatever reason, we just weren't able to do that. And uh, um, all the way down to the fourth quarter, Alex, where maybe we we're getting inside of eight minutes and, uh, and down 17-6, but driving. And, you know, if you find a way to put it in the end zone there and you make it 17-13 with about, let's just say, six-plus left, Boy, you've got a shot at that stage of the game, and uh, unfortunately, there was a tip ball and then uh, uh, an interception, and uh, and that was really about it at that point. You know, at that stage, I thought Nichols did a pretty good job of just kind of churning out the clock and uh, and and finishing out the game. But uh, yeah, I you know, I I, I, I'm sure our guys were incredibly disappointed that they weren't able to you know kind of just make that play or get ahead or get within a score. And uh, um, but you got to give Nichols credit here's where you have to give them credit is that they're a team that has made the playoffs three successive years in a row and uh they've got a number of uh seniors like every team does but a quarterback and a a defensive lineman that were both offensive and play uh, defensive players of the year in the southland conference and you know they've been in the playoffs for for quite a while and you know there there's something to be said for experience and uh um you know, and I thought their quarterback, you know, he's heady. He's, a, he's a, He reminds me of uh, of Jake Mayer from UC Davis a little bit. And uh, I just think that, you know, he, he stays within himself and he certainly um, gives their chance, their team a chance to win the game. And that's what he did on Saturday.
0: Yeah, in the end, like you said, just a couple plays here or there end up being the difference in this contest. Nichols, who has a good ground attack, were able to put up three hundred sixteen yards on the ground and help them run the clock out towards the end. And there were moments where, yeah, UND struggled to slow them down. But at the same time, you know, this was even though it was a twenty-four to six final score, it was really anybody's game for the vast majority of this contest. And seventeen seniors playing their last game for UND. It's always tough to go out like that and you know, you know they would have loved to have at least one more game and another shot at North Dakota State, but that's uh, that's the way it goes. Sometimes someone's got to win and someone's season has to end, and so tough, tough one for UND to finish on. But again, a great season, another seven win campaign, another trip to the postseason, and like you said, you mentioned a moment ago, Nichols State was a team that had postseason experience and knew what to do with it, and now North Dakota. You know, it'd been a couple of years and the guys that were seniors were freshmen back then when they last made the playoffs. Now, this whole team has experience rolling into next season moving into the Missouri Valley. A lot of optimism for this group even though they've got some key guys to replace, that the future certainly can be bright for Bubba Schweiger and the company.
1: I agree, Alex. I you know, we it, it, here's the good news. W- when you are doing some things historically, such as the senior class where you've made the playoffs now twice in the FCS era, that's a big deal. That is a really big deal. And so, you know, they did a great job uh, certainly leading us back to the playoffs. And um, here, here's a stat for you. 126 FCS teams in the country were one of 25 that have made the playoffs twice in the last four years. Wow. Hmm. We're, we're in the, the, the conversation of where we need to go. Um, six schools have made it all four years. So six of 126. So to make it every year is, is rather unique. And that's where we're hoping to head, right? I mean, that's, that's the, the whole thought process is that if you can get in um, each and every year or three out of four years, then you then it's just about having that special season going on or you become a seed or or something happens or you get the right draw you just have enough experience i whatever all that is that's i think how you kind of go forward with this and obviously home playoff games make a difference too and you know if we were at home versus not not lost on me if if that were the case um you know i mean there might be some that think it's lost on me but it's not lost on me that that home games actually make a difference and we've got to figure that piece out as well and uh but there's opportunity as we go forward
0: yeah and we talked we talked about this last week too i mean this is certainly you and you made a strong effort to try and have this game at home and it was obviously difficult going on the road cuz the conditions down there were not great right i mean it was it was hot and humid and a vast a vast change from what the guys had been used to over the last couple of days but
1: i expected it to be more humid mm. i'll be honest with you so so i i don't think the weather was was that a big a deal i think the actual uh yeah, I mean, you're just in a different environment. I mean, you know, I think the game is the game for sure. But, uh, uh, but you know, we had pretty decent travel down there, and uh, no, no doubt. Nichols is kind of tucked away, so it's uh, it's not the easiest place to get to. And so, uh, but but all those things to be said. I think you're wired as, as a as a program and as a, as a team and as a group to go on the road and, and do your thing. And, uh, and so I'm not so sure that was the issue. Certainly, you know, a lot was made of our locker room facility and it's very temporary and, you know, and yeah, it wasn't great. I mean, no question about it. And, you know, that's something that on the back end, uh, you know, the NCAA always asks for feedback and, you know, I'll provide feedback as to what I think, uh, you know, hopefully this tournament is about and, uh, you know, what, in a sense, I think at least the minimum standard should be from a facility standpoint. And uh, but that'll happen, you know, and I'll, I'll handle that on on the back end and obviously handle it professionally and uh, in the way that you need to do it. But but at the end of the day, you want to make sure that, you know, your kids have the, as good as a, a experience as they can. And the people were wonderful down there. You know, it's just the infrastructure needs to be elevated.
0: And there you go. So um, you mentioned the playoff format, by the way, you kind of have some thoughts about this moving forward, maybe some changes perhaps that you'd like to suggest to make this just a better experience and a better tournament itself.
1: Yeah, I've been beating this drum for a little bit, and I think I have to go beat the drum. Uh, um, and I think this <laughs> gives me an opportunity to do so. I, if we're staying with 24 teams, I, I, so I think the top 16 should be seated. I, I, I think the top hmm. 16, If if you've If you've played, if you've had a really good year, I I think you should have earned a home game if you've earned it. Uh, Now, again, you know, teams 17 through 24 would be on the road that first weekend. Now, the trick to this is to figure out what the bottom line dollars and cents have been and to make sure that at least the tournament is made whole based on what the tournament is in a sense, probably uh, cost the NCAA over the last several years. It can't cost any more. But the reality of it is get out of the bid game and just say, this is what it costs to host a a home game and to try to make the, it, it really becomes a mathematical equation to make sure the dollars and cents doesn't get any worse than it has been and hopefully gets better. That's, that's That's ultimately um, what I would strive for in, I guess, this model. But it also takes some things away from the committee to have to worry about. They can at least focus in on then just getting the 24 teams in, bracketing it with 16 seeds, and that hopefully becomes a more national tournament. Because right now, it's a very regionally-based tournament that ends up having a national champion.
0: So when you take that particular... Angle, I guess right now, what would be the biggest, perhaps issue? Let's, let's call it that. What would be the biggest issue the NCAA would have with trying to seed this out a little bit further? Dollars and cents. That's, that's really the only one.
1: Charters oh, versus shit. bus trips. So, I mean, that's really what it amounts to. And so, you know, I think we would have to, again, the principles start with two principles. Have you played yet this year? And are you within 400 miles? That that's the principles. That's it. I mean, it's not really all that hard to think through. Have you played? And if you're within four hundred miles, you're going to play. That's it. So you know, Albany's going to play Central Connecticut. Monmouth is going to play Holy Cross. They're within four hundred miles. So I mean, that's what's going to happen. And so at the end of the day, you know, there's not much for the committee to do at this point. What I'm suggesting is to make it a true national tournament. And at the end of the day, then you would say to yourself. You know, hey, let's seed one through 16, because then again, the differential between teams eight and nine is monumental right now. I mean, it, th- there's a gulf between eight and nine. Nine has to play and nine might be on the road versus eight doesn't have to play and gets a home game the following week. Yeah. And the and the differential between eight and nine could be minuscule minuscule. Instead what I'm suggesting is at least nine, 10, 11, 12. Yes, they missed out on a seed, but at least then they're playing and they're playing at home. The other thing I would do too, is I'd get off of Thanksgiving weekend. I'd start the tournament this upcoming weekend. And that would mean the semifinals would be between Christmas and New Year's. If you're a semifinal school hosting a game, I can tell you, from experience, your community's excited. Mm. And you will draw people, those those two communities will draw during that week because they're gonna be excited. And I think it provides then, Every team that gets in the tournament, they get one week of a breather after a long regular season. But to flip it and turn around, one, not even know if you're going to be hosting or not. And then you've got a host on Thanksgiving week where you're really just turning your stadium around and not even knowing that you are having a home game. Now, again, you can anticipate it going into the season, but until it happens, it gets tricky for sure.
0: I know we talked about this last year, and I, I... I agreed with you then and I I still do. I just think that makes a lot more sense and especially the part of it when you talk about seeding things. Yeah, th- this year especially, it didn't seem like there was a lot of difference really between seed, you know the the 7 and 8 seeds and the teams that were right below them like to the point where you know, you could have really put a lot of those teams in a hat and just pulled a name out and everybody would have been, well, like, well, there you go. That's, that sounds about right, I guess. I don't know who else you would have taken. And, and the fact that they get, the South Dakota states of the world, get this huge advantage where a team that is ranked ninth conceivably could have been on the road this past weekend and probably was on the road technically this last weekend. Against number 10. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's... That's just, my issue.
1: That, that yeah. That's that's my biggest issue with all this is that right now there was a lot of... I think most people that follow FCS would say North Dakota State and JMU probably have separated themselves this year. I think I think one and two and then there's a little bit of a gap and then there's really 3 through probably eight, like you were saying maybe 3 through 10. But two two schools were not going to get that seed. And, and, and obviously a couple were, and so the the differential becomes monumental, almost to the point where you start scratching your head and saying, is that really what we're doing at this point? And and it just seems odd to me. So I think there's a fix to it, but there's a financial equation that we've got to come up with to make sure, because that's the very first thing that's going to be said. Well, well, what's that going to cost? And so, and there's not unlimited dollars. And so we have to kind of figure that out.
0: So if one last thing on this and then we'll move on. How does this happen? Like how do how do how do you how does change in this particular arena work?
1: So I think someone like me has to at least put put it pen to paper and and I've done this previously and I I'll probably maybe do it 2.0 at this point and it needs to go to the football committee. They need to at least think it through and then the football committee would then go to the football oversight committee that uh, that's part of the council. So the council has seven different uh, subcommittees that report to it and they meet like four times a year, but it would have to go to football oversight and then football oversight would have to weigh in on it. So here's the deal. As I like to say this metaphorically all the time, it needs to come into the football oversight baked. Like it has to be out of the oven cooling And they have to be able to cut the pie and take a piece because none of it, all of it has to be thought through all the questions, all the variables have to be thought through. And the very first one is, well, what's the differential, I guess, financially, and really it needs to be better than what it is right now. Like the bottom line needs to, we need to say like, if you're hosting, then this is what it costs to host, and that's that's just the rules of engagement. That's the cost of being in this tournament. And as opposed to getting into the the weirdness of bids and not knowing then who's gonna host and it, it that could help I think the the committee a little bit. and then they just focus in on you know who should be one through eight and then nine through sixteen, and then ultimately obviously who the other uh, seventeen through twenty four are.
0: Well, if you need a petition signs, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> happy to run that around we'll go we'll go door to door around the dorms or whatever whatever we need to do because that's you're i just it's it's when you're trying to decide a national champion and this is you know ncaa division one it just seems like that we're not doing it the best way and i think the your proposal seems to make a lot more sense but that's you know that's just me
1: it's a regionally based tournament that crowns a national champion yeah That's what it does. And, and it, and, and depending on in some years, it may go your way and some years it might be more difficult. And so, you know, the, the one year where I think all of Missouri Valley was on one side of the bracket that didn't feel right. That wasn't (laughs) great. That wasn't great. And so, you know, but the the committee only can do with what they can do based on the principles they're given. So it's not It's – I'm not – by no means should this ever be construed as I'm questioning the committee. They're doing exactly what they should be doing today based on the principles they have to work with.
0: It's just the principles need changing.
1: I would suggest the structure of the playoffs need to be thought through. So there you go. That's some homework assignment for me. I'm going to dust it back off and he's going to be, he's back. So it's all, it's all good.
0: There you go. Good. Well, that's, that's a, it's good to, crusades are fun. It's fun to go on these things sometimes, especially when you know that you're right. Like when you know you've got a good proposal and you have something that makes sense, that would be better for everybody.
1: Yeah. I, I, and again, I, I think again, right is relative, but I feel like I do feel this way. It's a long grind for all of these teams. And when you finally make the playoffs, it would be great to have one week just to decompress. And for a lot of these, these uh, student athletes, they're heading towards finals. Imagine if they had a week where they could just at least catch up, especially if it was Thanksgiving week, where already they are going to have some time built in. They could actually decompress a little bit, kind of figure out their school life, their social life, and then they get back into it. Now, you, the argument could be if you're a top eight seed, you're going to have two weeks off. Eh, I, you know what? I, whatever. I mean, bowl games <laughs> – Bowl games, you have four or five weeks off. You know your first game of the year, which is ultra important. You had like thirty weeks off. So I mean, I, 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 whatever. That doesn't get me. Here's the deal. I guess maybe we should put an option in there. If you don't want to miss two weeks, I guess you don't have to be a seed.
0: You could decline, I suppose. Yeah, we could
1: decline, and then you get (laughs) rebracketed as a non-top eight seed. I would say that probably folks would begrudgingly become a seed
0: (laughs) i can't imagine too many schools out there would decline the option just to waltz into the second round and host the game but if you want to if you want to write that in as a little addendum in the bylaws just to give them the option
1: i would want to do that because i would think there would be some conversation about having two weeks off and that and and when when a seed loses to a school that comes in and they've had two weeks off there'll be sadness that they were off for two weeks and you know to me you had an opportunity then prior to the tournament to decline the two weeks and so there you go
0: just trying to make everybody happy that's That's exactly
1: right that's exactly right
0: (laughs) It's an impossible thing, but that's what Bill Chaves is trying to do. Uh, well, good, good stuff there. That's it's fun to hear your thoughts on those things, and I think just to just to sort of show that you know this is it's it's not a completely flawed setup, but there are some things that could use some tweaking, and hopefully, within you know within, well within our lifetime, hopefully within the next couple of years or so, we can maybe make some change and get this thing to be where it would be more more of a national based tournament.
1: And the last thing before we flip is is the last thing I'd say, Alex, on this one is by no stretch of the imagination should this be construed as a complaint by any stretch. I'm just saying, I think there's a different solution potentially out there. And, you know, I I have a number of folks rolling into my office on a daily basis that will give me all the issues per se. Um, I, I try to let them know, let me know the issues, but a couple solutions would be awesome with it too. And so, if you can do that, and this is what I'm trying to propose, I just think there's a better way to play this tournament for a better experience that it becomes maybe a more true national tournament.
0: Best of luck to you as you go forward with this new pursuit. Let's go. Let's go, Bill. Here we go. Yes. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I love it. Fired up. Fired up here on December the 2nd. Perfect. Good uh anything else going on yeah, from a from a uh bill chaves desk perspective anything else you want to chat about from a und ncaa purview? i don't think
1: so i think we're good
0: all right well let's flip flip the record over to the b side uh week two of jose Mourinho, the the era the era of good feelings love it just keep just keeping it rolling <laughs>
1: told you and and wait till we go to man U and we take care of them for jose yeah. I mean we we I mean we go Wednesday and uh you know I mean I that's a tour. I mean it's it Deli Alley's found new life. So he's got him rolling up I don't know. He that's just for, far up the field that I've seen delhi Alley in a year.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's amazing, right? This is it's so funny because it's the opposite of what you'd expect from Jose Mourinho coach teams. Like they're just playing free and loose and it's obviously led to some interesting finishes where I think both of these games, they led 3-0 and then 3-2 ended up being the final score. But hey, I mean, winning matches, scoring goals, getting some of your players that had previously maybe, I don't want to say given up, but looked like they were shells of their former selves. All of a sudden, new life. I, who who knows, Bill? Title, title challenge on.
1: And and again, not that the, uh, you know, as I was watching <laughs> Rebecca Lowe and the two Robbies kind of chat about it, Alex, in a weird way, in a weird, weird way, this is actually a pretty good marriage because he has offensive tools and his expertise is what? Defensive mindedness, if you will. And that's Mm -hmm. really what Tottenham needs. And so at the end of the day, it's kind of like he doesn't have to Worry about the goal piece, so to speak. What he needs to do is tighten up the team a little bit and so and that's really what he's pretty good at so I don't know it's it's relatively exciting to at least know that there's new life in 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 the in the in the team and they've imagined two two matches in a row they win, and they're like fifth in the table right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean there's it's they're all bunched. I mean they're all bunched there. But I think they can go to, they can chase some folks down at this point in time if uh if they if this good vibe keeps on going.
0: Certainly nobody's really separating themselves for at least from that middle path. you know when you when you're fighting for realistically like third and fourth right now. And, and City obviously drew this past weekend, so now second's kind of open again as well. Lester, it's Leicester and Liverpool all of a sudden that are separating themselves. Everybody else is in this this mix but you're absolutely right there's no reason why they couldn't finish still top four easily if they can kind of maintain this form that they're putting on right now you mentioned a, a trip to old Trafford coming up this wednesday we get the joy of midweek fixtures now in the epl just just another thing to put to put on your plate uh into the busy the festive period bill the busy festive period fixtures which are going to start coming thick and fast here pretty soon but it's uh yeah it, it's such a it was an interesting week this past weekend in the epl it'll be an interesting tuesday wednesday thursday as we get all these extra games coming up congestion how well these teams stay healthy all these things are going to make a make a uh, make a big difference in the title run and in the build up to to be a top 4 squad
1: well the the big one uh, at least for if if you're if you're still running, I guess on different fronts too, and you're doing the Champions League for for at least Tottenham in this case, they don't have to worry about playing Bayern. I mean, they're playing them, but they're they could put their you know U18 team out there because it's not going to change their what they're going to be. They're going to finish second in that group, and Bayern's going to finish first. So at the end of the day, that match does hey can't lose any worse than they lost with their first team, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, truly. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle, but yeah, I, know it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Well, here's what I would tell you though, Alex, and I, I think I might've mentioned it on the pod last week is they moved the Bournemouth, Bournemouth match to kind of, I'll call it prime time on NBC just because of the Josie factor. Mm. So they were, I think going to be on NBC gold or whatever they were. Uh, and, and then they kind of moved them because he's kind of must see TV. You just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, he loves that ball boy right now. I don't know if you
0: caught that. <laughs> oh, did you catch that video? I, I, I did not know, but I can imagine.
1: Oh my goodness gracious! The ball boy. I mean, he invited him to uh, pre pre meal with the team, and uh, they. He tried to get him in the locker room afterwards, but um, long story short, they're down two to one against uh, Olympiacos, and he, the the ball boy is like kind of right of the bench, if you will, uh, and, and Tottenham is attacking that way. So that it's kind of short to the goal, but he quickly, quickly got a ball to whomever who then passed it in and boom to Kane and they scored. And it was like he's, he started the play by how quick he got the ball in. And he's been like now he's, uh, he's revered for, again, quick thinking. And Josie said he was a ball boy and he loved how into the game he was and he knew what to do. So, oh, yeah, I, there's so much love right now going on in Tottenham land. It's hard. to even, It's just it's the holiday season. It's just it's festive right now.
0: Oh boy! Well,
1: I got Duck Hodges now winning games for the Steelers. I got right. Mason Rudolph on the bench. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things this pod has gotten done here over the last <laughs> couple of weeks.
0: Bill, uh, yes, well, that's true. This you've really been pulling the strings behind the scenes, and and things are now all of a sudden just as they should be. I it's it's amazing. It's 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 Halcyon days. For the Bill Shapes podcast, right now, especially on the B side, really impressive stuff. Yeah, how about that? And the Steelers got flexed to prime time. The things things are happening right now.
1: The B side time. did not like Mason Rudolph in the, in the starting <laughs> role. I have no problem with him being the backup. I really don't. I, I I kid you not. I think he could actually be an okay backup. But but um, but. Devlin Hodges is you know he's a uh, again a former FCS player, was a Peyton Award winner last year at Samford University and uh, and he's just savvy. That's all I'll tell you. He's got that little moxie about him and you can just tell I, I mean I I, I don't want to call him Tony Romo yet on the pod, but I guess I am because I said oh, wow. it. So I, I'm just telling you you just don't know what you got, you know and I mean, he's he's savvy. So I'm telling you, and their defense is playing well. They could be a little scary out. Now, they've got a tough, I mean, they've got to probably win, well, minimum of two of their last four, and three of their last four probably gets them in. But they've got Baltimore at the end of the year, which will be difficult. Um, And so, you know, every game's difficult because they're not scoring a lot of points right now.
0: Yeah, seven and five, though. I mean, it's it's incredible. At the Cardinals, who are a three-win team coming up this week, big one against the Bills at home but then you get the jets on the road which you know you would think should be a winnable game and then yeah at the ravens to finish things out but if yeah. the playoff picture is so wonky right now anything's this every week it just seems like even some of these teams that seem like they should just be left for dead even the dolphins for example like beating the eagles yesterday like there's just you just never really know going into any particular sunday so i i wouldn't put it past pittsburgh i mean second in the afc north and you got a great shot to maybe sneak in and get a wild card berth uh, who knew?
1: Uh, two, two things that were interesting. I want to uh, one comment and one question I want to ask you is uh, interesting. is Cleveland has not swept Pittsburgh since 1988. That's a long oh, wow. time.
0: That's a, that's a long time. Wow. 1988, my goodness.
1: I mean, that's crazy. I mean, crazy. So there's that. Secondly, what do you think like I think the NFL has always had the best playoff setup because it really takes care of their top two teams, giving them a bye and doing those things. But what's your thoughts about, like, say, a Dallas or Philadelphia getting a four seed over, like, a San Francisco or Seattle that could be literally four games ahead of them? I mean, it seems like they should rethink that a little bit, shouldn't they?
0: That's the one piece that always seems, you know, it doesn't happen very often that a division winner would just be bad, but that seems to be the case this year. It was, you know, a couple of years ago, I think, Someone was seven and nine, I think, and won their division. And there was some conversation then, like, ah, should should this really be the case? Oh, that's right. That's I was gonna see yep. And then they won. Then they beat the Saints. That was the crazy beast mode Marshawn Lynch game. So I uh, it doesn't
1: seem like they should be at home. Like they could make the playoffs. Yeah. That I don't have a problem with. But it was like, how can San Francisco go from like a number one seed to a five seed? Yeah. And that's what's going to end up happening to some degree. That's what's going to happen to potentially your Patriots if the Bills win the t- win the division. Oh I mean, and they could, right?
0: They could. It's it's definitely in play because they're not they're they're a game back right now. Like that's, they're a
1: game back. Do they still play the Patriots one more time?
0: They do. They play one more time. Yep. So so that's that's a possibility. Like that's what's so nuts. This this incredible run of New England winning NFC or AFC Easts for you know fifteen of the last sixteen years or whatever it actually is this could be the year that it comes to an end thanks to this crazy buffalo team that is not very good but has played a pretty weak schedule and has a good defense and they seem to just pull games out when they need to your pittsburgh steelers will have a say in whether or not the new england patriots win the division i'm just saying it's it's gonna that game is gonna loom large if if pittsburgh wins that game against buffalo then all of a sudden new england looks looks pretty good but it's um yeah i would agree with you i think there seems to be Something wrong about a team that could potentially finish you know a game under 500 hosting a playoff game against a team that is significantly better record wise than they are doesn't seem to make sense.
1: You could have someone uh, let's just say Dallas finds a way to win a game or two, and they're eight and eight, but it could be seven and nine they could be hosting a 13 and three team. I mean that's, that's really what could game. happen, and that doesn't seem right I mean I, I mean we we quote unquote, um, the NFL, we jumped pretty quick to, to do, you know, uh, um, video replay for PIs. You know, it would seem like this is actually more egregious, to tell you the truth, to have a team to have to go on the road to someone that clearly is, is not had as good a season as, as the team that's on the road. And then once you're on, you know, for them, you know, just like Seattle, Seattle ended up winning that game. So, yeah. so however that plays itself out, but anyways, I, it's a, uh, you know, it, it, it's, as it winds down, it's always interesting. And I, I, I watched a little bit of the new England game. Yeah. They're just, they just don't have the weapons right now. They kind of doubled Edelman and they just, uh, really honestly, you know, what ended up happening. If Antonio Brown could have just stayed off of social media, you could use Antonio.
0: <sighs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Really? Yep. I mean, he, no, he really could. Sure. If that's if, if Tom Brady had that as an option, I, I'll tell you what, you'd all be just fine. You might just be just fine anyways, because it seems like we've we've seen and, you know, we've read this book before, you know, the the, the fear of, you know, the, the demise of the Patriots. And then there they are with the Lombardi trophy.
0: Long ways to go. I, I think uh, now the thing is they're not going to be the number one seed unless Baltimore loses another game. And that's, and that's concern. And, and Pittsburgh has the fate. You love <laughs> the Steelers. I'm a huge Steelers fan <laughs> right now. Huge. <laughs> it's incredible how much like they really do kind of hold the fate of that conference. It's amazing. But... In any case, yeah, that's basically been the story for New England this season. Um, They just are maybe one weapon short, and you know they'll. Josh McDaniels is smart, and they'll figure it out. I mean, obviously, James White had a big game last night when they were trying to come back, and they just didn't quite have enough, and the defense just didn't make enough plays. But they'll they'll be fine. Obviously, they're going to make the playoffs. The hope now is that you you kind of hope you have to win out, and you need Baltimore to stub their toe because I don't really want to go to Baltimore in january with the trip to the super bowl on the line and that's that's looking like you know the road's gonna go through the ravens at least for now and uh that's a scary thought so we'll see we'll see how it plays out i'm not panicking yet but man it would have been nice to win last night let's just say that
1: here's what i say about the ravens is my last comment is that um you know they've they've been on a nice two-month roll right now they're gonna face a little adversity here some at some point in time i think they will and but, you know, they, they've they done a nice job. Uh, you know, it just seems like they haven't really turned the ball over. They've just done a nice job. And so, uh, but you know what? Lots of the season left. Lots left.
0: Four games left in the regular campaign and then the long sloth to the Lombardi Trophy. So we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. But That's right. Go Steelers. Go Steelers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and your Liverpool just keeps marching on, huh?
0: Another two-one win. Uh, th- this I don't know if you saw the highlights, but this was such a wacky game. They uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold set up Virgil Van Dyke on two different occasions from set pieces. They go up two nothing. They're cruising, and then uh, they had a little adversity where um, Allison, the goalkeeper, came out, handled the ball outside the area, just trying to make a play on a non-rushing attacker. He gets a red card for stopping a, uh, a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity. So they bring in the backup goalkeeper and it's gonna be a free kick from just outside the area. And Adrian's trying to set up his wall. And I'd never seen this before, but he's he's trying to get the wall organized and I don't know, it just it's taken a little while and the uh, gentleman from Brighton basically asks the referee, "Hey, can I can I take this free kick?" and and he blows the whistle. And our goalkeeper is standing outside the goalpost, and he just kicks it right into the corner. <laughs> it was just it was unbelievable. So two to one, and now Liverpool's down a man, and it, it was a little nervy there towards the end. But they found a way, and the lead just continues to grow. Against City, drew Leicester, won of course. So it still is about that eight point gap right now at the top. But uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. They've they've only had. You know, they only dropped two points all season in the league. It's it's incredible going into this really busy, a really busy December. But if they keep this up, I mean, they're just, yeah. I don't know. I, I, they have Everton in midweek. So big Merseyside derby without their top goalkeeper. But uh, if they can win this game, this is a big game. If they can win this match, you know, they'll, you'll be feeling pretty good going into this busy run of fixtures.
1: I, uh, the, the last thing I got for you on the B side is, uh, I was just, I had one eye on the Arsenal game yesterday. Did you see the, uh, <laughs> did you see the PK? And then someone must've moved early, but then they had to redo the PK.
0: You love a good VAR redo. Yeah. Oh,
1: really. is that what ended up happening then? Uh, someone maybe got c- too close or, or, got into the 18 or something, or, or uh, where do they, where do they stand? Where do, where do, where, do the guys have to stand when, or, or be behind the yeah, 18?
0: You've got it, yep, outside the 18-yard box, yep. And if you go before the ball's kicked, if you infringe upon the 18-yard box, it's a redo, yep.
1: That's a miss for the guy that got in there early.
0: <laughs> it's it's tough, and especially now with VAR, like, you don't get away with that anymore. You used to be able to pretty much just run in there, and they'd never blow it dead. Not anymore.
1: Yep. Yep. Well, that was tough. And uh, I guess they, uh, I forget, I even forget who Arsenal was playing, but, um, but they had stopped like three of the five penalty kicks this year.
0: Yeah. Norwich. Yep.
1: Norwich. They're a penalty kick stopping machine. And uh, they just, uh, that was, that was probably not good for them. But Arsenal is struggling. They didn't even win. I think they haven't won a match like in all competitions in like seven or eight now.
0: Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, the uh, the Arsenal fans around us. So their their manager's been fired. That was the big news from the weekend. So Unai Emery's out. Um, they've got an interim manager in there now. There's a little bit of buzz that like well, Pochettino, maybe. I think Arsenal fans would would maybe like to see that happen, but it's not. It's not going to happen. I, you I, don't think so? I would be very surprised. That seems. That would be. Uh, That'd be a, a pretty big betrayal on Poch's part to jump ship like two weeks from one from one side of the North London Derby to the other. That, that's almost unforgivable. But I don't know if he's that. I don't know if he's that type of guy. I think he wants to go back home to Argentina, spend some time with his cattle ranch and his horses, and just be away from it all for a while.
1: I agree. He's got the rest of the year to kind of figure it out, and he's going to have his pick of the litter. He's such a good coach, and so you know. And now the other thing is, I guess when we talked about it maybe last week, if Bayern wanted him, you'd have to think about it, right?
0: I would say so that'd be that'd be the one that would that would get me perked up a little bit. I think that that's such a good job. I mean, you have all the money you want, anybody in Germany wants to play for you. You're going to win that league going away. yeah, I mean, a lot of pressure, but pretty pretty good situation.
1: No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Well, hey, busy week. Oh, it's always a busy week. And uh, we're uh, kind of heading toward, uh, obviously, uh, Christmas, but uh, lots of uh, lots of things on the docket for us from a, a student-athlete standpoint. They're heading towards finals, but we still got a few games uh, to go. So should be exciting as we uh, head into this week.
0: Yeah, always is. Always is, Bill. Happy December to you. Enjoy it.
1: Thanks, Alex. Appreciate you.
0: Bill Shaves. On behalf of Bill, on behalf of Cassie Niles, our producer, I'm Alex Seinert. As always, thanks so much for listening. Enjoy another full week. Happy December to you, and we'll chat again in the near future.